Rock 104, North Florida's home of rock and roll, and 2 for Tuesday with The Doors and Love Me Two Times. Nice to have you along. This is Tim Richards. Thanks so much for hanging out. Five o'clock rock block coming up. Getty, Alex, the Professor Neil, that is Rush, and that is coming up here real soon. Give me a call on the rock line. Tell me what you want to hear. The five o'clock rock block coming up on Rock 104. Tim Bikevich is with us today, uh, and I can see why you changed your name, your honor name, to Tim Richards. Heck yeah. Bikevich <laughs> is a little, bit of a mouthful. Thanks for being with us, Tim. It's nice to meet you. You bet. Thank you. So why don't you, why don't you start with, uh, like we start with everyone, did you grow up in Florida? I did not. So okay. uh, I am from Southeastern Michigan. And, uh, and my, my journey to the University of Florida is, is a little different. So, um, so I did not actually start college until I was almost 22 years old. And so um, I had the radio bug bad. Um, so we had a radio station in our high school. And I went to a broadcasting school in the Detroit area um, and started interning at WNIC in Detroit, a um, a AC station. And, uh, you know, it was kind of weird because as I've been, you know, preparing to to talk to the two of you, I've been thinking about all this and I'm like, you know, I loved rock music, but I got involved in top 40 radio um, because I I guess I just like the energy. But I, I don't know, maybe I never thought that I could actually be a rock DJ because I grew up with Detroit radio, you know, and um, 101 WRIF, the riff and stuff. Oh, yeah. And maybe I, I maybe I just never thought I was going to going to go to that level, you know, so I just never even thought about it. Um, so um, actually ended up going to Gainesville for two weeks. So graduated high school, in 86, this broadcasting school in 87. Um, and and a buddy of mine I grew up with had started at the University of Florida. And he's like, come on down, you know, we'll, we'll live together. Okay, great. So I go down there uh, after broadcasting school for two weeks. I can't get a gig. I'm like, okay, I go back to Michigan. Uh, I get a job at a top 40 station in Toledo. I do that for about a year and I'm doing overnights, bored as hell. And I'm, I'm looking through the trade mags and I'm like, hey, there's a, a job open at one of the stations I interviewed with. And so I actually called up the overnight jock and she was real nice. And I said, Hey, so who's leaving? She's like me. I'm like, great. I'm going to take your job. So I did. Uh, so, so I actually moved down to Gainesville uh, in a Greyhound bus. I couldn't afford a plane ticket, went to Jacksonville for a couple of days, hung out with my buddy, saw the ocean for the first time. That was eye opening. Uh, and, and then got to Gainesville um, worked at this top 40 station. So kiss one Oh five, which was right across the, you know, the, the city, um, did that for a while was, uh, their assistant production director. And then I was on air as well. And, uh, and the long-term plan was for me to, to go to school somehow, to somehow pay for going for school. And I figured, okay, I need to become financially independent from my parents. It's not like they were super rich anyways, but you know, um, so I did that for two years. So I was dirt poor and then I could go to the university of Florida. Uh, and, and I started actually the, um, the semester of the murders. So fall of 90. So first, first semester of Steve, uh, Spurrier and, and, and that God awful semester. Uh, and 
then I want to say that I started at RUF in maybe uh, February of 91 or something like that, you know, and because because now that I was a student, I was like, okay, you know, I can do this. And so that's that's how I ended up in Gainesville. Let me roll it back to the very beginning. First thing you said was you had a radio bug real bad. Yeah. Besides liking rock music, what was it that made you think you wanted to go into radio? Was it just I, I just want to play music? No, no. You know, I mean, there was just there's just something about being able to communicate to so many people at the same time. Um, and and in high school, I ended up I, I was a, I was a dance DJ. Um, you know, I did all the, the dances at, at my high school and stuff. I got with a company and I was starting to do weddings and all that kind of jazz. And I don't know, there's just something about the, the communication bit. And, you know, and maybe that's why in my brain I was okay working at Top 40 Radio because the music was just, you know, kind of part of it, but it wasn't like the main part. For me, the main part was always the people. Mm-hmm. You know, that's funny. In, in my years and all the stations I worked at, the rock stations, I really no- noticed that there are two types of, of DJs that work at radio stations. One that have a passion for the industry, for radio and broadcasting. And then two, the, the DJs that had a passion really more for the music, which, which was the type I was. So when I worked at Zeta and it flipped and I went to the buzz in West Palm and it flipped. And by the time there was no more rock stations left, I was done because that, right. that was my passion mm-hmm. was the rock music. Not necessarily. I had, you know, uh, colleagues that went on to top 40 and, and other types of radio gigs, but I didn't want to do that. So it's interesting that you brought that up. Cause I did, uh, I did notice that when I was working there in, in radio. How Absolutely. long was the, how long was the school of broadcasting a year, two years? I want to, I want to say maybe nine months, nine months. Okay. Yeah. And did you, when you were done, was that, did you think great decision or was it? Of, of going there? Uh, you know, I mean, it was expensive. And in fact, I spent as much money going to UF as I did going there. Yeah. And so, you know, at the time it was, it was really, really pricey, you know, mm. but I, yeah, you know, well, I thought, okay, this, this is a way in. So yeah. I did no, it. I mean, you got, you did get a job. I did Gainesville, a couple, yeah. couple jobs based on yeah. the school of broadcasting. So it did, it did work out. So you come in decorated to WRUF a bit. It's almost like going to ROTC. You come in with experience. Yeah. You know, and, and, and it was a little bit awkward um, in that way because, because I think part of it was like, Oh, there's this guy who does top 40 and he's, you know, he's coming over here. And it was kind of funny because I remember meeting with Harry, you know, and I did the tryout just like everybody had to, you know, and I remember I had to sell him on my rock bona fides, you know, the fact that, cause I grew up with the who and Floyd and Zepp and everything. And so I just had to sit there and just talk. And he was like, uh-huh, mm-hmm, uh-huh. You know, and at the end of it, he was like, okay, I'll give you a shot. I was like, thank God. (laughs) (laughs) What does a shot mean? Did you have to go to overnights like everybody else? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and you know, and I want to say that my first gig was a Saturday, you know, at midnight. So, so yeah. Um, Was it, was it humbling or were you just excited to get into the door and 
be at the no, radio station. You know, income. I mean, I, I got it. You know, I, I, I figured out that, that I had to pay some dues, mm-hmm. you know, and that it was a completely, you know, new station and just not that, but all the other stations I'd ever been at were professional radio stations, you know, and of course, RUF is its own thing, you know, with the yeah. students and the professional staff and yada, yada. So I got it. And, and that was okay. I, I was okay with that. The other thing too, was that anytime you ever go to a new station, there's always this period where you're, you're trying to transition in your head, the style of what you do. I mean, you know, sometimes it's even the stuff that you say. So years later, I had a short uh, stint at Gulf 104 in Tallahassee. Okay, well, I can't tell you how many times I almost said Rock 104, and I said it a couple times because I, I mean, of course, it's 104 too, you know. Yeah. But I just, you know, I just couldn't get it out of my head, and of course, you know, I'd been at RUF by that point for seven years, and so it was, it was really in the brain. Yeah, that's tough. Seven years. Was, you were at RUF for seven years. Yeah, we'll we'll get there. Okay. <laughs> I, I was going to ask uh, you. So you come. To UF, you said you started when you're 22. That's yeah. that's pretty oh, yeah. late. Yeah, but I also I also came I came in as a junior because I got my AA, but I also was a year and a half out of high school just doing nothing before I went to community college. So I came in a little bit older than everyone. Was mm-hmm. that an interesting experience for you? Did it did it make things a little bit different? Did you take things more seriously? And did people see you differently because you were a little bit older than everyone? I I think so. Um, I know that I took things way too seriously. Um, you know, and part of it was that I wanted to impress, you know, and so one thing that I really knew well was multi-track production and, and that, um, KISS 105 had an eight track. Um, so did RUF. They just gotten it, you know, kind of recently. And so I went in there and tried to be, you know, the bad boy of production and really, you know, push it and, you know, and, and music and some effects and voice and yada, yada. And, um, you know, and so, so in that way, yeah, it, it was, it, it, it was, it was certainly different. Um, and the other bit though, is that I, I started off majoring in telecom, um, but that I switched to anthropology. And so I minored in mass com. And so I didn't have these folks in like a lot of my classes, some of them, mm-hmm. but not that many, you know? And so in that way, it was, it was, it was always kind of different, you know, but of course we, you know, we all spent so much time at the station. So. So seven years at UF in anthropology, yeah, so, not communications. No, no. But okay. Seven years so at the radio station. Right. Yeah. So, so I was. I came in in 90. I graduated in December of 93. I started my master's degree uh, and did that until December of 95. And the deal there was that, and and you may have heard or remember a guy named Sid Pachter. The, yeah. Oh, yeah, uh, of course. Yeah, yeah. I had him. Yeah. I had yeah. him too. Okay. Yeah. You know, and at the time, so because I did afternoons for a while, I did mornings for a while, is that Sid did a bit you know, where he would come on and I forget the name of the, of the, the bit that we did, but it was like stump Sid or something like that, you know, and he was a professor. And so people would ask him these off the wall questions, you know, and and he would try and answer it. And, and Sid was one of my, you know, professors. And, and I remember talking to him and he was like, you know, Tim, you really need to see if, if the station's going to pony up and help you go to graduate school. It's like, well, okay. And so, 
so I became their first promotions director and, and it came with a stipend, which was great. Uh, so I could actually pay for tuition and not nice. starve. Um, you know, but I just remember going to remotes and it was always like we were reinventing the wheel. You know, every time it was like, where are the prizes? I don't know. You know, where's the stuff? Uh, you know, where's the gear? You know, where's Don? Uh, does Don even know about this? Is he going to show up? You know? So, and, and so I was like, okay, you know, I, I can do this. I, I can, I can add some organization here and, and kind of smooth things out that and the on-air promotions and stuff like that. So that's what I did um, from 93, 95, um, went to Gulf 104, um, for a short stint, worked at the 1996 Olympics in Mm. Atlanta for two months. Um, actually tried to get a gig in Atlanta during that time, but that there were two people, two kinds of people who were in Atlanta, who lived in Atlanta, who worked in Atlanta during that time. Either they got the hell out because they did not want to be there with, I don't know, like 2 million people descending on the city, or uh, they just partied and they didn't want to talk business. Okay. So I went there. Um, I worked for the Atlantic committee for the Olympic games, I actually worked in the Olympic village. So okay. I worked with sound companies because one of the other things I did when I was working in Gainesville is I worked for every man sound and I did concert sound. Um, I also worked for TDC entertainment and I was doing weddings and parties and stuff like that. But, um, so I, I went to the Olympics and then basically I kind of came back and I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And by that point, uh, Rob Cathcart was the production director at RUF at the time. And he was just leaving. And I was like, okay, you know, I'll take this job. And I just, by the way, listened to, uh, your podcast with Rick Ganji, who's one of my favorite RUF people of all time. And, you know, and, and it was the same kind of a thing. It was like, oh, well, so-and-so is leaving. All right, I'm going to take his gig. And so that's what happened. So that's how I ended up there for another two years. I was full-time as their production director. Gotcha. So on air for a few years, promotions director for a few years, production director for a few years. All right. That's pretty good. You really made the most of your time at WRUF. I really tried. <laughs> what shift uh, was your on air? Your full so, across the board. So, so I, you know, I started off doing overnights and I think some pickup stuff. Then I got moved to afternoons, I think in the fall of 91. And I did that. I want to say for a year or something. And then I got moved to mornings. So, um, uh, Ernie Kapanke was my, uh, my morning show guy. Um, uh, the Dawn Patrol, we were, you know, still using that at the time. Uh, and then Ernie left and, and I had a, a few other folks and then that's when I graduated and then became promotions director. So I, I did afternoons yeah. for a while. I did mornings for a while. Which, which okay. shift did you enjoy the most afternoon mornings? Did it matter? You know, um, I, I, th- I think mornings, you know, I mean, because it really forced you to be on your game, you know, cause sometimes, you know, like if, if I was tired or something, I'd come in, you know, and, and in the afternoons and like, yeah, you know, do this and do that. Um, but with mornings, you know, you had to be coming up with bits you know, you, you, you really had to be on it. Um, for me, there was something very cool. The fact that people were waking up with us, you know, as they're turning on the radio and there is Ernie and Tim. Yeah. Um, so any interesting bands or people come through in the morning when you were there that you got to speak to interview? 
I'm sure that there was, but again, thinking about talking to the two of you, I can't think of who it was. Um, one of the things, though, that, that Ernie and I did for a while was um, the show Florida Rocks. That was, I think, Thursday nights, and that was all local bands. Mm, okay. um, you know, and so, and, and I saw that, that, um, that you all did a show with uh, Drew mm-hmm. um, from Sister Hazel, and you know, and of course, Rock 104 broke Sister Hazel. You know, I mean, that's that's one of Harry's big claims to fame right there. And and I used to produce their spots um, when I was when I was production director, because that's when they were coming up, you know. And so I remember them. Um, you know, I remember ha- a handful of others. Yeah, that's good. What about a, a, a bit? Do you remember a bit from the morning show that that sticks out? That, that you came um, up with or, or went wrong or was hilarious? Or... Well, I mean, you know, so, you know, so Ernie and I would get off the air uh, at what, nine o'clock and, and we'd some, and we'd sit around, you know, and, and try to think of stuff for the next morning. And I don't know, one day we were like, you know what, we should shut the station off. Wouldn't that be cool? And so, <laughs> we, Yeah. You know, and then we're like, well, is that oh. completely legal? And we're like, well, we, you know, we're not really sure, but you know, let's, let's do that management by apology. Huh? And so, um, so we did this bit where, I don't know, um, like Ernie was doing something stupid in the studio and he set it on fire, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, there's smoke and eh, eh, we can't see, you know, and literally he goes over and, whoop, and shuts the transmitter off. Cause we're like, you know, we wanted to completely, give this sense of a total disaster, you know? And then we waited a couple of seconds, flicked it back on, you know, That's right back funny. into the music. Sounds illegal, but it's funny. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> what was the reaction from, I mean, was, was anyone in on this besides the two of you? No, no. You know, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to think, I mean, by that point, I don't know, Harry had kind of given up on us a little bit. So, uh, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't remember anything really, coming of that and that that in itself is kind of weird (laughs) how about the am side did you get to did you get to work over there any work with you know um only only to kind of fill in here and there um so for uh for larry vitell when i was production director i would do his intros and i would do them like completely over the top and so, you know, I was always thinking of, you know, and now, blah, 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 Larry Vitale, uh, you know, and so that was just kind of fun. Um, I did Tradio uh, okay, a number good. of times. Oh, nice. pioneer so, of Tradio? You know, that was, that was a hoot, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, so, so, oh, yeah. and, and of course, you know, cause you get, you know, 10 mile, you know, 10, 10 minutes outside of Gainesville, you know, and you're in North central Florida, you know, some, some guy would, you know, call up. And be like, yeah, I got a tractor for sale. Oh, uh, okay. You know, so how, how much is that track? You know, and you're trying to do something with him, forget about it. You know, yeah. so you just you just hope hope the next caller is a little bit more, yeah. a little bit more into the first it. hour of Tradio was like the wild, wild west. We could do whatever we wanted because nobody was calling in. Then it That's then it heated up. Yeah. Uh so seven years at WRUF, it finally comes to an end because you graduate, you're done with well, I mean, because, well, well, so, so I, I did the master's degree. Then I was two years, um, as the production director 
and I was just looking for whatever the next thing was. And I thought about it and, and again, Sid kind of helped me and he was like, Tim, you know, cause, uh, I'd started a, a class actually, a, a course in, um, uh, advanced audio production because nobody was doing that. And I thought, okay, well, this is kind of cool. And I, you know, and the teaching bug kind of got me and I thought, okay, you know, and, and Sid was like, go get your union card, which means your PhD. Um, so I was like, okay. And so I applied around, got accepted to UNC Chapel Hill. Uh, and I started there in August of 98, you know, and okay. so there was about a week between my last thing at RUF and me moving to Chapel Hill. Oh, wow. Awesome. How's that go? Once you get there, do you pick up a new radio gig or are you just full-time going for that PhD? Yeah. Well, I mean, I was lucky enough to get a fellowship. So that, so it came with some money and, and some other stuff. So I didn't have to work. I mean, I, I certainly wasn't buying steak, but you know, I, I didn't, uh, I, I didn't have to work. So, and it was, it was so much work anyways. I'm sure so was, taking, yeah. taking, I was taking four classes, four PhD level classes. Yeah. My brain. How long, how long did it take to get that PhD? Um, so it was two years of classes. Okay. The, the whole fellowship was three years. Um, uh, I spent the third year basically working on my dissertation. I didn't have it done, needed a gig. So, um, got a job at the university of South Florida on faculty there. Uh, and during that first year when I was there, I, I finished up my PhD. So, okay. so you left radio behind and your new goal is to be a professor, not correct a high school teacher, not a grade level. You're going to be a professor somewhere. So when you get done with that, how does that job hunt look? Uh, it, it looked pretty good, actually. So um, I got job offers from two other universities, uh, you know, but I mean, I mean, talk about, you know, how hard it might be to get a gig in radio. I mean, getting a gig as a professor, you know, there's a lot, that many jobs. Uh, and in fact, a, a the mother of a friend of my wife's um, was like, you know, you're never going to get a job. <laughs> like, well, thanks a lot for that. Yeah, um, the so there. <laughs> that's right. So, uh, what is, yeah, what so, is this, what does this look like? Are you pitching a, a course to different universities that you would teach or, or do they have a position to fill that they need someone to teach a course? Yeah, usually it's the, it's the last one. So okay. that, you know, so, um, at the university, at the university of South Florida and now at Virginia Commonwealth university, I'm in uh, a school of mass communications. And so basically like the J school, same kind of thing, you know? And so they teach classes uh, and different programs have different stuff, you know, but we teach advertising, public relations, journalism, just like UF does uh, now also media production. Uh, and so Actually, everything that I did, I mean, especially in radio, helped me so much to get a professor job because mm -hmm. one of the kind of little secrets about all this is that, yeah, you know, they want someone with a PhD, but even today there are people who go, they get a PhD, they've done nothing professionally. Mm -hmm. and, and, and journalism schools are very much professional schools, you know, where we train people up to do stuff and then leave and go get a job. Uh, and so the fact that I'd done everything made it super easy for me to, to be able to do that. That's great. So you start out in high school, you said you, you, uh, broadcasted in high school, you yeah. DJed, you worked in radio. Now you're a professor. Do you ever miss turning on that mic and broadcasting or doing a show? 
I do. I do very, very much. Um, it's weird. I, I have a recurring dream, seriously, of being at Rock 104. But the thing is, is that the song is ending. I don't have anything. It's a total stress dream. You know, I don't have anything queued up. You know, at the time, you know, we were still using carts. I was there when we transitioned to computers, you know, but in my mind, you know, so I've got a big old stack of carts, nothing in the machines. And it's like, oh, crap, what am I going to do? So I think I think that's my brain telling me. But no, I very I very much miss it. So and, you know, the the change that's happened in radio uh, in the last 20, 30 years, I don't think has been, you know, all that good for radio. And uh, and in fact, you know, like in in my position now as a professor, I could ask and try to answer some of these big questions, you know. So like one of the things one of the like studies I want to do is like, how do DJs actually get trained up these days? You know, because there's no more overnight, you know, that stuff's all automated. So what do you do to fill that gap? Then you're, you're not on air. Do you podcast? I mean, you've got a nice mic and headphones. It looks like you're set up. What, what is it that you do? Well, so I just started my own production company, um, doing voiceovers. Um, you know, and I don't know, I've, I've tried to keep my hand in it when I came here. And, and even when I was at South Florida, so I, I ended up learning a lot about television. So I did it at my broadcasting school, you know, but it, it was fairly rudimentary. Um, but I uh, learned a lot about video production and such like that. Um, and then when I got here, I ended up running the student produced newscast, you know, and so, you know, corralling students and, and again, you know, among everything else, you know, teaching them how to be on air, you know, and that includes voice, of course. Um, and it's, it's kind of unfortunate because in some ways stuff like this is becoming a lost art. Uh, and you know, I'm, I'm doing everything I can to, to, to keep it going. That's yeah. And that's what the question I wanted to ask next is how do you stay current? What is your continuing education like? Because things have changed so much, since you got that PhD, what do you do to keep keep current with the, the changing tides of radio, podcasting, online, all that stuff, so that you can share it with your students? You know, I mean, part of it is is I just play mm-hmm. um, and and try to do that again with what I've had to do um, running the student produced newscast. That it's interesting because even in the academy. Um, we end up with people who can either tell a story or produce a story, but not both. And I'm kind of a unicorn that way, you know, so I can grab a camera or I can grab a digital, you know, audio recorder and like, okay, let's go. Uh, and so that's one of the big ways that, that I've tried to do it. And so, you know, and in that way, you know, my program wants me to kind of keep on pushing because nobody wants, you know, a university to be 20 years out of date. You know, and that, and there's professional development opportunities. So one of the ways that I try to stay professionally current is to go to different events and things. And so there was this organization that said, hey, you can go out to Vegas and go to the Consumer Electronics Show. Oh, nice. And uh, and so when I was out there, I, I got to meet with Ernie because Ernie is working in New York and he works for, it's like an event company, you know, kind of a thing. And, um, yeah, you know, and so, um, you know, and, and then of course, you know, I don't know if, if you guys have ever been out to like that, to like the NEB convention in Vegas, but it's like Christmas, 
you know, it's the latest technologies, you yeah. know, and this was even a couple of years ago, but you know, th- at, at the consumer electronics show, they had this thing where it was basically a drone motorcycle that it had, you know, uh, drone propellers on four things, you know, and you sat on it like a motorcycle. And I was like, that is the coolest thing in the world. <laughs> <laughs> so last question for me, is there other, do you miss the music? You're still involved with the communications, obviously, because you're teaching it. But what about the music? Is that still in your life any professionally or part of what you're teaching in your curriculum? Or is it just kind of gone? No, I mean, you know, so rock will always be with us. Uh, <laughs> no, you know, I mean, I, I still listen to, you know, a, a ton of rock music. I try to introduce my students to it. But of course, you know, for this generation, you know, I, I it, you know, it would probably be like when we were back in school, like somebody would be like, hey, there's this thing for World War II. It sounds great. <laughs> like, yeah, it does. Um, <laughs> so, you know, uh, and you know, and I don't know. And I, I try to have fun with that with the students because it's like, you know, you've got this perspective now, but it's going to change, you know, and, and you're, you're going to think differently, you know, 30 years later, you know, when you're in my shoes. So, yeah. I was just going to say, when you look back at your broadcasting career and everything you've accomplished and did in the industry um, from all facets, not just, you know, on air, um, what are you most proud of? Hmm. Well, that's a great question. I don't know. You know, I, I think I'm, I'm proud that I showed up to work every day, you know, you know, including, you know, like I can think about some Christmases and some new years, you know, and some July 4ths and stuff like that, you know? And, and I think, I think one of the biggest things that I learned was this, this dedication to, to the station, you know, and making sure that it's running and that people, you know, can, can hear the music and that, you know, and that, that everything is just, just going until you shut it off. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, don't be a downer, man. <laughs> uh, you know, cause I, I, and again, you know, uh, getting ready for this, you know, I was thinking of all the remotes I did, you know, and all of this and all of that. And I don't know, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm always, you know, I'm, you know, my dad kind of taught me, you know, if you're going to do something, do it right. And so I always try to kind of give all of this my all, you know, and I, I just remember having a lot of fun, you know, working in radio, working at RUF and, 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 and getting some things done, you know, and that's yeah. probably what I'm most proud of. Good. And now Very you're nice. able to share that with the students and hopefully they're out there next generation learning and, uh, and having as much fun as we did. I, I somehow yep. doubt it, but. <laughs> uh, Tim, thanks so much. Really appreciate you doing this with us and uh, great to meet you. You bet. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. All right. Go Gators. Go Gators. Go Gators. If you'd like to be a guest on an upcoming episode, we'd love to hear from you. Send us a message on Facebook, Instagram, or email us at don't tap the glass podcast at gmail.com.